All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. How are you? No, seriously, how are you? Look at me. Look at me. How are you? No, no, that's that's not the answer. Look at me. Check in, check in. Hey, it's just Christmas. It's 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 just the holiday season. It's okay to put on a few. Yeah, man. I mean, you just take it off in the new year or you won't. Or this might be the edge. This might be the tipping point. Yeah, I put on 10 pounds in like 2021 and now it's 2040 and my 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 hazmat suit's a little tight, but you know, it's okay. Yeah, it's got a little give on it. It's got the elastic on it. These new ones are much better than the last ones. Man, I could barely fucking, you know, my I couldn't get any like air and the sweat was ridiculous in the last one. These are okay, but yeah, I put on a little weight back in 2021. That was about 15, 20 years ago already. You know what I mean? But I'm glad these hazmat suits have elastic on them because, you know, we got to wear them pretty much all the time now. Hey, look, uh, just take it easy, all right? Don't freak out. It's the holidays. There's a lot of bad shit going on, but let's relax. Let's try to relax. I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to fucking be grounded, whatever that means. Listen, Cat Power is on the show today. Her name, Sean Marshall. That's her name. Cat Power is her stage name. I believe we talk about that. She's been putting out solo records for almost three decades now, going back to her breakout album, What Would the Community Think? Yeah, way back. I think I picked up on her, really. I I missed it. I missed everything in New York. Uh, I missed her. I missed all of it. But that first covers record, I loved. And then I went back and picked up the rest. Uh, Her album, she's got another covers album. This, I think, is her third one. Uh, Her... The new one covers. It comes out uh, next month, I think, and she'll be touring into the new year. Also, listen to me. I'm going to be at Largo on Tuesday, next Tuesday, December 21st, doing the music and the comedy. And uh, if you'd like to come, if you're in town, come. I don't know who the comedians are. I got to figure out who the hell's in town. I asked little Esther last night. She's not going to be around. I got to. I got to pull. I got to reel in some comics. To be on the show. It's going to be me and Ned on drums, Brandon on bass, Jimmy Vivino on the other guitar. You know, I've got a I've got a nice roster of songs selected. I believe we're going to be doing Drifting by the original Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green. I believe I want to uh, to do uh, Help You Dream by the Blasters, which is uh, one of my favorite songs. I generally just do songs that I like. I think I'm going to do, I think we're going to do Long Black Veil. The band's version. I think we're going to do Run Run Rudolph, Chuck Berry, for the for the Christmas. I believe I'm going to attempt to uh, to do Jealous Guy by John Lennon. And I believe we're going to do some sort of stripped-down version of Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson. That is a pretty eclectic mix of uh, three-chord songs, give or take a chord. That's my wheelhouse, baby. Let's not push it. Let's not complicate things. Let's just do three chords, different tones, different speeds, different lyrics. What else do you need? Huh? You know, I've been watching some comics who uh, were pitched to me. I don't know everybody anymore, these kids. And then I started to think like, well, that, that reminds me of me a little bit, this stuff. And 
it got me back into my old CDs. You know, like uh, from, I don't know when I did Tickets Still Available. Tickets Still Available is fucking great. Look at me, I'm Ridley Scott. My CD, Tickets Still Available, is fucking great. That's a fucking great bunch of comedy there. I was rapid paced. I believe I was still in uh, morning radio brain. I guess it came out in 2006, so right. So I would have recorded it. Ooh, that's right when before the life got terrible. But I was still locked into that morning radio, like frenetic brain thing, the lucid kind of rage of it. And I just listening to it, just poking around in my own shit. But I was listening to the clarity of the thing, to the writing of the thing, to the pace of the thing, to all the stuff I was talking about, a lot of politics in that one, but but cutting, man. And and some real like solid bits of satire and, and rage and funny. And I just listened to it and I'm like, holy shit, man. I was I thought I was at the top of my game now, but I was at the top of my game then, and maybe I was. But I got in no way of assessing myself at that moment, two thousand and six or any time before that, or even yesterday without thinking I didn't quite make the mark. But my point being is that I miss a lot of me. Once I'm through these things, I'm through them. It's almost like my whole life is like an argument I'm having. You know how when you have an argument uh, and and after the argument is over, you don't really remember the argument, especially if you were a dick? Well, that's like most of my life, is that I did all these things, I engaged with these audiences, I've had all these experiences, but it all seems so far away. It all seems not not unreal, but just sort of like, yeah, it's behind me. But all this stuff is substantial work, and I never really assessed it in the time other than I'm doing this, or this is okay, or like I could have done better. So my experience with it at the time was probably adversarial with myself and I don't know I just didn't give myself enough credit I always assumed I just was I was underappreciated which is true but I I think some part of me thought that was because the work wasn't up to par but I listened to fucking like a lot of tickets still available yesterday my CD from 2006 and it was fucking great I am like I was impressed with my thinking and I don't give myself any credit. I, and everything just gets by me because I'm in this frenetic presence and it's starting to fuck with me time-wise. But I got to check back in with myself a little bit so I can at least feel like I've done something as opposed to just eat through life like a fucking shark. You know, just as soon as it gets behind me, it's behind me. And then it like it fades so quickly into the rear view that I don't know if it was this morning or yesterday or a week ago. I've got to start holding on to some of the stuff that I create in a way that I can appreciate it. I just feel like I'm going to approach it differently. I've been approaching things differently. Like Thanksgiving dinner. I did it differently and it was good. I enjoyed it more. That's all I'm doing. I think that's what I, maybe that's a general life note. Approach it differently. Appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate once you've done it. Remember it for something you appreciated and then, you know, enjoy that for a second and then move on as opposed to like, let's just do this. Let's just do it. Let, I just want to get through it. Let's just do it. Let, let's do it. Okay. That's that. It's done. That was pretty good. What are we doing now? Let's try to fucking savor something, dude. We're in the second half here. Maybe even the fourth quarter. So Sean Marshall, cat power, AKA, Cap power.
and I became odd friends. We started DMing in the midst of the early phase of my horrendous grief. She just reached out to me and kind of uh, talked to me through some stuff and mostly texting. And uh, I don't know, we, we it took a long time for us to meet, but that was a couple years ago, I guess, or a year and a half ago. And um, I, I've always you know liked her music and her singing and stuff. I didn't know a lot about her, but we became kind of friends. She came to the show. I saw her up, I saw her in Florida. I went to visit my mother and that was the first time I met her. She was living down there. I went and had dinner with her and I met her kid and uh, hung out a bit, chatted it up. Then she came to a show when she was touring this last go-round opening for Alanis and uh, Garbage or whatever that tour was. And she came to see me and Dean up in Portland with Malcolmus. But I didn't know the whole story, you know? She's an interesting person, gone through a lot of shit. And this sort of, uh, it kind of took me back, you know, to that that time in New York where you're you're coming up in New York or you're trying to come up in New York and you want to be part of the bigger thing or or you just don't know where to how to get in or how it works or who's doing what and you know just that feeling of being in that city you know back in the late 80s and 90s and uh, trying to make a go of it and how fucking exciting that was but see that's another thing when i was in it i was like come on come on when is it going to happen? What's going to happen? I don't think I appreciated fucking hardly anything in a way that wasn't other than just trying to get out of myself. I'm sorry. I'm drifting back. So anyway, when we finally got the opportunity, we tried to make this happen for a while to talk. It was good. It's almost like we're just continuing to get to know each other. Uh, so this is me talking to uh, Sean Marshall. Her uh, new album covers will be out January 14th, and she's already announced... Uh, North American tour dates for next year starting January 16th. Go check out catpowermusic.com for dates and details. And this is me and uh, Sean talking. The last time I saw you was the only time I saw you. <laughs> that's not true. I saw you in Portland, too. No, but, oh, that's right. That's the last time. At the time before that was in Florida. We didn't really know each other, but we've been texting a long time. And we talked on we the did, phone. Yeah, we talked a bit. Yeah, because we were sort of bonded in grief, right? Because we had lost people, and you reached out, and, and then we were deep in the loss hole, sending emojis, <laughs> trying, to make, trying to make each other feel better. And then I finally met you in Miami, and that was crazy. That was crazy times for you. We had steak, mm -hmm. but you're all panicked. Was I? Because yes, because your real dad was coming. Oh yes, that's correct. Right, and it was the first time you'd seen him in forever. Yeah, I mean, I'd seen him at like um, I saw him a few years. I saw him in a in a hotel room for about ten minutes. Yeah, and then I saw him like a few years earlier at a concert backstage. And yeah, then, but uh, like spending actual time together had been like thirty years. Thirty years. Yeah, and it went okay, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it was intense. As soon as um, my let my my little boy out of the car to go find him because yeah. I had to valet the car and so he knew where he was going my little boy and then I was like all flipping out like yeah. you know flipping out like emotional and then I hear a tap 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 on the window and I look I thought it was the valet yeah. it was my dad and then every ounce of fear or panic just like I felt like I was like four <laughs> like a goo goo baby just smiling like gaga gaga da da and the trip was great we, yeah we fed the fish and talked and went to dinner, went to 
when you know went to lunch, hung out more, went to dinner, yeah. and went to breakfast, and it was really super, super, super important to do and for him to hang out with with my son. Yeah. Were, were you carrying a lot of uh, resentment at that time? No, not resentment. Just like you know, I'd send a picture yeah. of me and my little sister, and he, had, you know. Just said like, who's that? Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> oh, no. but he's a sweet guy, you know. Oh, good. Well, what was the last time? When did the, the did he go away? How old were you? Well, I I didn't meet him or my mom till I was like four and a half. Either of them? Yeah, because oh. my um my my uh, uh I guess the my grandmother told me yeah. that the you know the they had found her name on the birth certificate, so they went on the you know the. You know the thing where the phone book, yeah, and they uh, called her, so she went to pick me up. What? Where would you just left somewhere? Uh, just from the uterus. Out, that was it. <laughs> and then what? You just they left you in the hospital or on a doorstep or? I, yeah, in the hospital. Yeah, and I don't know where you know where they were. But when I met them, you know, I it's like meeting God or something yeah. like, or meeting the unicorn. So your grandmother stepped in. Yeah. And took you. Who's mom? Mm-hmm. Your mom's mom? Yes. Uh-huh. Now, what about your mom? Where's she at? She's in North Carolina. She's, I think she's doing well. So where did you start your consciousness? Oh, my gosh. Probably around, probably when my little brother Lenny was born. Um, he has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the hospital, I was six, and my stepfather and uh, mother's son, and I saw, you know, the, you know, he had like, he had just had open heart surgery. Oh, yeah. So he was a you know, newborn mm. and he had like, you know, the tubes and the, yeah. you know, he was in a controlled uh, incub- incubation yeah. right. compartment, whatever. A and, tank, um, a little, uh, little uh, bubble. Yeah. And all the different things. Yeah. Yeah. Cords and stuff. Oh, and my, my stepdad had the, you know, no one can touch him. So they have to put the gloves and. Yeah. And I, I, um, you know, realized that there could be, you know, and he was crying. Yeah. You know, and I realized then that 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 there, I, I didn't really understand. I, I saw, I realized that that there was real, real, real pain on on Earth. Right. I, yeah. At six, you saw that. So it wasn't just sort of like the, the the nature of absence. Now it was real pain that you saw that just witnessing fragile that. being, yeah, completely, uh, you know, vulnerable and hooked up. Yeah. And that kind of opened you up to that? Yeah, because, I mean, I, that kind of like, you know, it, it's like all the things that, like, adults try to hide from their kids, yes. you know? <clears throat> Getting exposed to lots of stuff. Yeah. And then um, s- that seemed fun, you yes. know, like the bars and yeah. the the shows and the, you know, all that stuff. You went to shows? Lots of different shows, lots of different, what, like... because your folks were... Yeah, in bands. They were both musicians. In bands. Yeah, my really? my stepdad and my father. Yeah. What kind of music was the first? Was the original father? Um, the original father is still uh, a solo musician in Atlanta, um, and he guitar player. No, I mean he can. Yeah. But uh, he's more of like a piano lounge. Mm. You know, he'll do covers and uh-huh. you know that's he's and, been doing that since I've known him. So, so. he's still a working lounge act. Yeah, I mean, he was in a band in the '80s. He was a, in a band in the um, Moby Grape, I guess they were. Yeah. Had the, you know, right then he was in this band called Brick Wall. 
but I guess Moby Grape when that they came out with five singles at once. Yeah. And my dad's band Brickwall had a single come out, but Moby Grape singles just like he no one gave it. You know, they yeah. were just like focusing on collecting these they got, singles. They got buried by Moby yeah. Grape, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And then what kind what kind of musicians your stepdad? He was, you know, he played music with Dwayne Allman. They were really close. Really? Yeah. They lived in Jamaica together briefly. Him and Dwayne? It's weird these guys like Dwayne Allman. Like, he, he was dead at 27 and or so. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I'm just assuming that's the age that they all died at. Maybe yeah. he was even younger. I, think, I don't I know. I think he was younger. Where did they get time to live in fucking Jamaica? I mean, what was I doing in my mid twenties? But you seem to have gotten around. But I, I don't. I wasn't moving to <laughs> Jamaica in my twenties. It just seems that those people of that time period live these amazingly adventurous and rich, you know, complicated lives before they were even thirty. Yeah. So he played with Dwayne. What is it? What is? I he mean, he like? was his buddy, you know. Yeah. So, you know, Georgia's a real small town, you know. So, like, which you know part what of I mean? Georgia? Well, just Atlanta. Oh, so. Yeah. So they Everyone. were around. Well, if you didn't go to like you know New York or yeah. or the Hate, you were kind of like in Atlanta. You take the train or the <laughs> yeah. bus or Nashville. Or Nashville or wasn't Nashville, cool yet, right? Nah, not really. Not Atlanta. I mean, not Nashville. It was hot Atlanta, you know. Cause yeah, it was just happening. Oh, was it in the seventies? Yeah, and that's where you did most of your growing up. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, moved, you know, we kept moving around. Like, because of the musician thing? Because of my stepdad's job. He worked for, uh, he was a, he worked for American Racing, which is like a mag wheel company. Uh-huh. So he'd go to, and then he started working for Progressive Wheels. So he'd go to set up warehouses. Yeah. Along the East Coast. So you were part of car culture as well? No, nah. No? He just sold wheels? Mm-hmm. For, Offloading. For race cars? Whatever. Oh. Whoever. <laughs> wheels. Mm-hmm. And, but he, he also played what? He played guitar? Guitar, too? yeah, Les Paul. I think 1960. Is that where you learned guitar? No. But I used to, you know, I don't know what, you know, just make noise. Uh-huh. Feedback on the Marshall. It was in a, it was in a, a closet. The Marshall, yeah, yeah, they had what a half stack or a whole stack. It was, it was, it wasn't a stack. It was oh, self-contained, yeah, solid-state Marshall. Well, no, because it had, it had uh, the tubes, yeah, and it was all ratted and silver, uh, and it was so fucking loud. Really? Yeah, they are loud. They're so loud. I know. Oh I can't God. take it. My ears got fucked up. I've blown out my ears a couple of times. Yeah, have in, you in this room? <laughs> yeah, with that stupid amp. With that, that's amazing amp. It is like it's a it's an old Fender, but like you you got to get the sound that makes it great. You got to mm-hmm. crank it, and you have to go through like a hundred of them to find the one. <laughs> yeah, I don't Keith's know. got like five hundred thousand. I don't. I didn't go. I'm not. I'm not a pro. You know. what I mean that. That's it. <laughs> that one and that Fender Champ by the door. Yeah, which I do love the fried. Champ. It's got a guy's got to fix it. <laughs> I got this guy. He fixes them, and he he fucking tweaked that thing, and it just melted. All of a sudden, I smelled something mm. burning, and it went away. It stopped. It stopped working. So, all right. So this is a complicated upbringing you have. So your mom, but at least you had a relationship with your mom, which you kind (laughs) of, all right. So wherever you're at, you you were set to wander, hence the title of your last record. (laughs) At what age were you just sort of like, all right, I got to figure this shit out. Um, When did you start playing? I was, uh, I had seen, uh, I was in high school and I saw, I went to the cramps and I saw, you know, I went to go see the cramps yeah. at the Roxy in Atlanta and I saw um, this uh, guy 
singing and playing and spitting and snarling and wow, you know, yeah, just yeah. He had a, his guitar was so cool and I'd never seen a guitar like that and and uh, they blew my mind and yeah. the, the band was called Flat Duo Jets. Right. And I never, you know, whatever. And, the, you know, I didn't care. I mean, of course, the cramps were great, you They're know, the cramps. but like I just went, you know, I went into a different, you know, so. That guy, and you became friends with that guy? Later, yeah, my roommate, um, he introduced me to him at a show in Athens because he was in this band, my best friend, my roommate, uh, Robert Hayes, he was in this band called the Jody Grind in yeah. Atlanta. And uh, the guitar player from that band, Bill Taft, is in a band now for a minute called Waiting for UFOs. And Bill was in this other band called Smoke. So Robert introduced me to Dex. And then so Dex started calling the house and he'd like call and be playing the, the piano, beautiful classically uh-huh. trained, you know. Um, and you're in high school? Well, no, this is after. Oh. This is, you know, my dad. I was, I had, I had to, I had to not live with my dad anymore. So, luckily, I already knew the it real was, dad or the second dad. The real dad. Oh, okay. So I was eleventh grade. So I had to, you know, move out of the house, and uh, I had already had a job, and uh, so I already knew how to work. Several jobs. I already knew how to work. And yeah, uh, what were the jobs? What were the? I worked at this place. Oh, Schlotzky's. Oh, Schlotzky's. Yeah, that was like the big the, round sandwiches. Yeah, I ate so much <laughs> food there. Um, yeah, that's what you remember? Yeah, it was great. So, like, you know, you got to make, like, no one ever came in there because it was a new company. I remember when they came out. Are yeah. we are we some more age? I don't want you don't have to tell me, but I, rem- I remember when Schlotzky's opened. Schlotzky's? when they, well, well, I know when the first one showed up in Albuquerque, we were like, wow, this is, uh, they were sort of based on muffalita sandwiches, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Right, on well, on New Orleans sandwiches. So we thought it was this great new technology, sandwich technology, and we were all very excited for f- five minutes. <coughs> I got a job at the Stein Printing Company, which is actually where my where my dad worked in the 70s. But anyway, I got a job being a, you know, you get a, you have to, they make reams of paper, whatever, yeah. so you have a big box of like, all these colors, yeah, right? Sure. Purple, green, blue, sure, pink, sure. blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you have to, you have to, you know, put the purple, green, blue, pink, yellow, white, you know, In purple, green, blue, oh, but, right. so they can make a ream of the different right. colored paper. Yeah. So I did that like all the time, and then that's when my dad was like, "Okay, you need to go find a place to live with your sister, my big sister, Mandy." And so, luckily, how's she I, doing? She's all right, you know. She lives <clears throat> across the street from my mom, uh-huh. and um, she's married and travels a lot. Her husband's a truck driver, so they spend a lot of time on the road. Uh huh. But you were inspired by that guy, the the emoting. Yeah. The em- so the well, it was just I don't know if it was emoting. It was like, is this God or is this Satan? Like it was really oh, extreme. Oh, Do you come it from was uh, art? You know, it oh, wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. There was. It wasn't posturing the spitting and the snarling. Yeah, he was actually like. You know, possessed. Like, did you were you able to answer that question eventually? Which one is it, God or is it Satan? Ah, oh, just human. <laughs> did you, how how much God and Satan did you grow up with? Yeah, too much. Oh, <laughs> Way too much. <laughs> really? Which form? What was human? Yeah. What was the religion? Oh, it was Southern Baptist. Oh, so that's... A lot, oh. of go- lot of Satan. A lot of Satan. Not a lot of God, a lot of Satan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was that demons, was... Demons, a lot of demons. That was wired into you? Very, very much so, yeah. Did you have to 
get it out of you? You know, I had to get, um, I had to get laughed at by my ex. He's born and raised in Japan, doesn't really have a, any sort of knowledge of religion, uh-huh. you know. <clears throat> and I was just like having kind of like a s- supreme meltdown of like fear, like yeah. super fear of like. Of damnation? Of just like, I don't know, just yeah. like a, you know, how much anxiety can you right. hold on, you know, carry around yeah. as an adult. And uh, I was just said something about, you know, God or Satan or something. And he just started fucking laughing. He was just laughing at me, just like he couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And then that, I realized that, you know, I, I assimilated like, when you're a little kid, you know, God, Satan, Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, you know, I was yeah. able to, you know, they say with like, when you have- Find post- the, the spectrum. Well, when you have like post-traumatic stress, yes. you can do like cognitive therapy. So I yes. I chose to look, you know, because they always say like, you can't have God without a devil or something. Yes. So I'd always like stick them together in my mind, like, you know, God, Satan, Easter Bunny, Santa, like- Sure. Just to get through it. Uh-huh. So I got another job. I was out of high school. Out of the, out of the, no more paper. And my friend, this guy I knew in this band, Todd Furster, in this band called Donkey. Yeah. The guitar player was in this band with my boss at the time, Clay Harper. They were in a band called The Coolies from uh, from Atlanta. From, from the paper place. Paper. No, I was at Fellini's Pizza at this point. Oh, okay. And uh, so anyway, this guy Todd Furster was selling his um, Silvertone and I didn't play guitar and didn't want didn't want to own a guitar but it was the same guitar that Dexter had the guy you first saw in high school the guy yeah like a year and a half earlier yeah. the guy who I saw right. the flat duo jets you had the, you had the uh, cathartic white I was light like experience a, like a piece of art I was uh-huh. like you know it's from the 50s it's beautiful yeah. you know and I was like it cost 70 bucks so I was saving my money so hold on and so I used to stick it in my corner of my apartment and yeah. slowly but surely turned 19 and started like getting bored with life and like I don't have any money to go to the movies you know whatever so on my days off I would just like you know just play you know just pluck it not yeah. knowing where to put my fingers Yeah, and that's how I started and that's how you figured out some stuff some stuff yeah no lessons just no, plucking no the dudes all the dudes at Fellini's it was all, everybody was in a band all the dudes were in bands in Atlanta, all every one of them. Yeah, and all of them. Yeah, you know, I could show you how to play guitar. <laughs> you know, if you come over tonight, you uh-huh. know, hey, you gotta let me teach you how to. So it was like, not only did I not want to play like them, right? I didn't, you know. So you think you evolved? Did you? Did you eventually figure out some stuff? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'd watch that certain because there was a lot of bands back then, really great bands. What year are we talking? We're talking, fuck, 90? Yeah. Yeah, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94. But I moved to New York in 92, but with some great bands, and I could see how their hands were. This is before, like, YouTube videos where sure. you learn how to do stuff. But I could see how they'd be holding their hands, you know? Uh-huh. You know, and so I- Just from going to shows? Yeah. So all yeah. you did was go to shows? Oh, yeah. Who but I also had to work every night till two, so I very rarely got to go to shows. But when at I did, at the pizza joint, yeah, Fellini's, Fellini's Pizza, Clay Harper's place, still he has there. A great solo record. He has the new one, but the last one, so good. I think I told you about it. He loves you too. Oh yeah, yeah. Does he still have the pizza place? He sold it. He's loaded. Is this, 
He is. This yeah, is he's from a the great, pizza place. Great guy, sober, thirty years. From the pizza place, he's loaded? yeah. He was in the coolies. The coolies. He was my boss. Right. So, when do you start writing songs, Sean? Nineteen. Nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. And by that point, you know a few chords. I'm not sure. I'm. I, I think the. <laughs> I'm not. I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But how does it like? How does like cat power manifest? Uh, cat, uh, there was a cap. This man was wearing a cap. Um, I was playing. I like to play drums. I like to play whatever yeah. after work with my friends that are in bands. Yeah, the Go Devils, um, different bands. So and you're like a rock kid in the Five Points scene, hanging out with all the dudes and girls who were part of that fucking. There weren't a lot of girls. There were two girls. Sweaty, smoking, just. You know, we're all working. We're all broke. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We're all, you know. But the problem is, is that <clears throat> heroin just like took a hold of the city of everybody. When was that? Ninety. That was probably ninety-one. Is when it really just start killing people. Now, is it, everyone started dying later, but like ninety-two, ninety-three, ninety-four, ninety-five, ninety-six, seventy-eight. That tar shit. But the. But the uh, the addiction started like ninety one. Things got ugly. Everyone got strung out. Everyone was getting strung out, and I was I didn't do it. You know, I wasn't a I wasn't a you know heroin person. I wasn't her I wasn't a heroin addict. Yeah. So it didn't. Anyway, so didn't didn't take. I don't I don't think that I was I I, I feel like I was naive to it. Yeah. Because. I hadn't been around that yeah. type of addiction. Right. Is that when you took off? 92, yeah. Because um, my friend Mark, Mark Moore, he was in a ton of bands in Atlanta, amazing guitar player. He was always like, Sean, we have to start a band. We start a band. We start a band. Start a band. We start a band. Yeah. Well, I want to start a band. I like playing drums when we're drunk after work, you know? And then Damon Moore, whose girlfriend worked at Wax and Vax around the corner. She was in a band called Dirt. Yeah. She was in Seersucker. So I kept telling my friend Mark, like, yeah. you're annoying me. Stop, you know. Because he's asking you to get in a band? Yeah, all yes. the time. And uh, so he says, we had already jammed together, you yeah. know, a couple times. And he said, if you start a band, um, if you start a band with me, uh, Damon says he'll start the band. He'll join the band. And him and Jennifer had broken up at that point. And I was just like, Damon was the most gentle. He was like real stoic, sweet, kind, gentle, like good, you know, yeah. calm, yeah. amazing guitar player, so yeah. sweet and cool and kind. And I was like, really? Like, I couldn't believe that. And then he, and then he goes, and if Glenn, my father figure character, he was like, and, and Glenn said that if Damon starts joins the band, that the he'll join the band. And I was like, Glenn, what will he play? And he said drums, and I was like, "Well, Glenn's not a drummer, you know. He's a rock critic, but whatever." Yeah. So, and uh, and we'd already, you know, jammed a couple times yeah. together, and so that's why he was, um, because and then Fletcher, he's like Fletcher said he'll join the band. Fletcher, Fletcher was in King Kill Thirty Three and a lot of other bands, and he was King like King Kill Thirty Three. I know where that name comes yeah. from. Do you know where that no. name comes from? Is it from a Puss or Cat Faster Fest? No, no, I don't it's know. from a. It's a it's a King Kill Thirty Three Degree Latitude is a strange piece of writing done by a guy named James Shelby Downward I think his okay. name is about the uh, Masonic symbolism and the oh. killing of John F Kennedy. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> you got to talk to Rob Schnapp. <laughs> Do I? 
from Mant about his brother. What about his brother? And J- the killing of oh no the assassination of JFK. Yeah, really. Yeah, what? it'd be a great. I don't know. I don't know if I need to talk to him about like, that. Okay. Pew, pew, I mean, yeah, pew. yeah. I don't know if I. I think I'm. I'm good with the uh, neural pathways I have. I don't need to worm any other ones. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I don't need to make any new rabbit holes in my <sighs> brain. So these are your guys. So, these are those so band? he said. So he said, and we need a name for our band yeah. because we have a show on Thursday night. Yeah. And he said, um, and we want you to come up with the name. And there's this old man that worked on the, you know, the the trains in Atlanta. Real big dude, huge hands, like his hands are like two giant callus balls. Yes, yes. And he must have been maybe 88. Yeah. And um, he was wearing a cat diesel. Yeah. Power cap that's like he's had since 1952. Yeah. And I usually give him a slice and he'd get a pint. So right. he'd pay for the pint. But, um, and he's standing there and I'm like, one second <clears throat> on the phone. And he's like, and they want you to come up with the name of the band. And I'm kind of like so overwhelmed. And he says, uh, and I'm like, me, why do I have to go? Because you're the lead singer. Why mother? Because you're a girl. And I said, cat power and hung up the phone. And then about, and Glenn from Low Life, yeah. father figure, he worked at Kinko's. That's how he made all his fanzines. Yeah. So about an hour later, they come walking in. And I saw them outside. You don't know what they're doing. The band? Well, the Mark and Glenn. Yeah. And so I see them doing something to the post. Yeah. And it looks like they're putting something up, you uh-huh. know. And they come inside and putting, he's got like a camel, Glenn's got a camel unfiltered. And he's like, hi, Sean. Yeah. And he's putting tape on the thing. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And Mark's like, maybe you want to like leave these here. And it said, it said, uh, it said, um, it said cat power. Live. Live. Opening up for Flap. Which flap, is this, of course. Uh, yeah. Have you heard of Flap? <laughs> no. They're amazing. They're, uh, um, you know, classically uh, trained. They use the uh-huh. um, acoustic guitar and they do like, uh-huh. you know, black metal, heavy metal covers and this and that. But Are they, they have still their around? own songs. Yeah. They just, I just got to see them in August. I feel so. With uh, Waiting for UFOs. It was th- out of the so loop. fun. You have to, next time it happens, I'll let you know. It's so much fun. I don't do enough live music. It's so fun. They do it in the front yard of yeah. like um, this artist. Is it here? No, it's in Atlanta. Oh, well, I have to go to Atlanta to see it? Yeah. It's okay. so fun. You don't have a house in Atlanta anymore, do you? I do, but I'm, I've, I, I sold, oh, sold it. it. Oh, okay, I get it. You're down by the water now in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get out of there too because it's like the, all the all the uh, you know the trumps yeah. came out of the woodwork. Sure. So where are you going to go now? I can't decide. I can't decide if it's like you thinking about coming back here. I can't decide. Okay. If it's like Is Portugal, Portugal, Denmark, Denmark, oh, um, so upstate. You're, you're out. You know, I'm not sure what to do. So that's upstate or New York or Portugal Sicily or Denmark? or Sicily. upstate New York or, you know, Santa Barbara. That's a lot of different kinds of options. I know. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you prefer dirty or? I love dirty and I yeah. like dry. <laughs> so you, nothing rural maybe? I like rural, but I like water a lot. Like water. Mm. I like desert and water. Got it. That's uh, two totally different things. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why Sicily's. You know, Sicily. I, it's, I I I get nervous when I can't speak the language. No, no, chien, no, yeah. chien. Oh, you can handle it. No capito. No, no. Have you been to Sicily? You just have to. Nah, 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 yeah, wait, yeah. Mama, mama. Uh-huh. It'll work and you out. Get it. <laughs> have you been to Sicily? <laughs> point. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been everywhere. 
not uh, not Russia and not um, not Israel, not Russia, not um, Cuba, not. I've been to Israel. Not. Um, not Russia. No Russia. Not huh? West Africa and not. not um, China. I've been there a couple times. Where Beijing, um, Hong Kong, Beijing, Shanghai, Shanghai, uh-huh, Shanghai. Um, you know the regular stops, but not not Hong Kong. All for gigs. All for gigs, yeah. All for gigs. Yay, yeah, all for gigs. So this first Cap Power outfit, how long were you with them? Did they make About it through the first record? six months. Oh. And uh, the the heroin and everything just kind of uh. like took over. Were and, you uh, playing all original songs? Yeah, there was a Decroitson cover. Uh-huh. Um, our first show was at the Claremont Lounge, yeah. you know, in Atlanta. And it was never a big venue. Yeah. You know, so and it was all our friends. And that's what Robert, my old roommate... The first show, or I was like, I'm not. Are you? He's like, what time's your thing at the flap thing? Yeah. The first one, I was like, I'm not fucking going to that. Has you know? And he was like, Ah, you're fucking chicken. Yeah. He's like, I hear you in your fucking room, singing these little songs. And yeah. Da, 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 you're yeah. just a chicken. It made me feel bad. And we were like, you know, drink. Our big thing was drinking black coffee and smoking yeah. weed. Yeah. At night and um. So he made me feel bad. So he drove me down there, and the cops were there. And show's over. It's not happening. And um, all these college kids. And I didn't. I didn't go. To, I don't know college yeah. people. And I was like, and so I, I think it was Flaps' audience yes. were there. And I was, but I could hear. I could hear them all playing down there. So I was going to go warn them, like the cops are here. Yeah. And I walked down, and they're just like. You know, it's their moment. Yeah. And I just, like, I just left them there. Yeah. So my roommate passed away suddenly in a car accident. And um, he was in love with this girl. He's in love with a few girls, but, and he was 24 when he passed. Oh, but, uh, geez. he, um, I had to call a mutual friend of ours from Tennessee, Lily. She had moved to uh-huh. New York from Atlanta and she like bullshitted Virgin Records and like, walked in and said, you know, I am a manager and I've put out, she just, li- her whole resume was a complete lie. Yes. And that afternoon she was driving uh, Iggy Pop around for interviews. Like yeah. she got a job at Virgin Records, whatever, making like a ton of money. Yeah. And then quit so she could work hospice for AIDS, um, you know, um, patients. Yes. And, but anyway, so I called her and I said, you know, Robert has passed and Anyway, so she contacted me a couple weeks later, and she said that there's a room open. That really kind of like, I was already going through stuff like with people like, you know, like being like turning into little monsters sort of with the drugs. Uh And I was sensitive, I guess, because I really cared about, you know what I mean? People you care about. Yeah. And uh, so, and she's like, Sean, what? I have a room open in New York City. She lived on, we lived on fourth between A and B. Uh Uh-huh. And she's like, come, come check out this room. I was like, I, I can't live in New York City. Like, I, I can't afford that. So I saved up my money and I bought a ticket. And I went up there and um, I had so much fun. Just hung out with her on the fire escape and, you know. and um, Fourth between A and B? Mm-hmm. I lived on second between A and B. I ha- still live on A and B. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. But, uh, yeah, that's cool. So what year was that? Was I that there? That was 92. So oh, I went back. Just leaving. And I... One month later, like I sold all my little shithole stuff. Yeah, in and Atlanta. I, in Atlanta, told my told Cat Power that I was, you know, there's just no band. You guys can do the band. I'm out of here. I'm gonna. Da, da, da. Told my boss my work. 
blah, blah. And um, so I saved up, you know, like $1,500 or whatever. And you went to New York? And I went to New York. And the, the week before, the week or three days before I went to New York, Glenn Thrasher from Low Life from WRAK, you know, fully, you know, you know, addict at that yeah. time. And I was naive to his problem because yeah. I loved him so much, you know. Right. But I was pissed, you know, at how he was transforming. Sure. And uh, he said, Sean, um, I'm moving to New York, too. And I was like, what? And he said, I got a job as a um, as a secretary of the vice president of the Yeshiva Law School. Really? Yeah, and so he ended up moving there the same week. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and so then, so that was my friend. Um because I'm gonna not not be friends with my friend, right. who I'm terribly like worried about. He but, must have gotten worse there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so he started taking me to different things like ABC No Rio, yeah. you know, and like different like you know free jazz this and that stuff. Yeah, and like I was with this jazz sax player in yeah. South Africa. I lived there for a few months, but uh, fell in love with this guy, and he turned me on to like that record Crescent by John Coltrane. Yeah. One day we were at uh, ABC No Rio, and he's like, Sean, you know we can play here anytime we want. And I was like, play here? And he's like, yeah, just you and me. And I was like, play here? You know, like, I'm trying to, like, figure out what he means. Uh Because, like, like, what do you mean play here? Because, like, the dudes are in Atlanta, and, you know, I... uh, you don't really even play drums and like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And so that was our first show. Were you doing your stuff? Uh, yeah. And that was sort of the, the first New York event. Did you tape it? No. But at that time you had no idea. You you didn't know the direction you were going. So you no. meet that guy mm-hmm. from Matador Records and you don't. I, I, don't, I don't. I didn't know. Nothing I, registered. I no, 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 no. So when did you finally put together a set of songs? Well, I always that had was, some songs, you know? Yeah. And then when yeah. does it happen? We got uh, uh, Fletcher, uh, Mark, and Damon to come up from, you know, Atlanta, and we got to play CBs together. I don't remember who was on the bill. And then it became me and Glenn alone. And then I got a um, alert, 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 you yeah. know? Glenn's like, you know, help, you know, the cops are after me and this and that. Uh-huh. So I got him some dope. Got him on the plane, got him to Atlanta. Sharon and Craig were like, you know, how could you not tell us that he was an addict? And I was like, I had no idea that was da da da. But he's like, when they're going through withdrawals, either yeah. you know could die, and it looks yeah. like they're dying, you yeah. know. So I didn't know what to do. Yeah, he's begging me, please do that because get him he, dope. Yes, yeah, so he could and get on the plane right. and be functional, yeah. whatever. And you did. Instead yeah. of him going to jail, right? You know, because he was in big trouble. Oh. Did, and he made it out. Is he still around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he works at Acapella Books. So a year later, I get a voicemail from Sharon saying, hey, I got an email from you. I don't know what email is. Yeah. I go to their apartment. It's a computer. It mm-hmm. has a thing. and It's a letter. And it's from Italy. Yeah. It says, I would like to do a you know record with you. I love your single. And I'm a really good typer. Like yeah. I made straight A's in you know, art and typing. Yeah. And I was like... I'm not a band. Thank you so much. See you later. Yeah. And then uh, about three weeks later, I get an answering machine on the thing, message yeah. from Sharon, saying, Hi, Sean. I hope you won't be mad at me, but I booked you a solo show um, um, at um, ne- next um, Sunday at yeah. <laughs> um, CBGB's gallery. Call me. 
And um, I was just like, I was really, I was, I was bummed out. Really? Yeah. Like it felt like. You're like being pressured? He, no, just like manipulate. It felt oh. like, mm. it just felt like, you know, I didn't understand much. I didn't trust people, didn't know people. Yeah. I only knew like who I knew and I did my work. I had all these jobs. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't used to look at people in the eye a lot back then. Uh-huh. Like real, super shy. Yeah. And uh, mentally, like my mental health was very questionable. Oh yeah, I, I, every day, you know. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> Just like you know, super like all that stuff. Remember, like Satan, God, yes. Santa, you yeah. know, Easter Bunny, all that stuff yeah. that you don't, you know, you don't really, you know, you don't know who to talk to, or sure. to trust, yeah, talk about crazy thoughts, right? Because like if you know, if if God and Satan are real, then fuck all this other shit is real yeah <laughs> you know what i mean then what isn't yeah if you open then that what door, isn't real you yeah, know so sure. so you were struggling really with reality struggling yeah with my private thoughts mm. around people who seem to have everything together all the time mm. and so you had to keep that to yourself all the time so did the songwriting help that yeah a lot yeah and when you were able to sing did it help that yeah, I think so. I just didn't like to sing. I felt like it was so personal or whatever. I, yeah, I feel the same way, but I'm yeah. not a singer. It, th- it scares well, the hell I, out of me. Well, then I got sober in 2006 uh, when The Greatest Record came out. and um, That's a great record, by the way. Thank you. All those records from The Greatest backwards, I was like yeah. suicidal. Every, y- you I know. think you can hear that on some of the records. Yeah, Do I you? know. Well, I've never actually, you know... It's interesting. I never like, realized it was that factual that 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 was actually the case. Like that, it never went. It was just a part of my personality from like being young to to to, to you know thirty something years old. You know the idea of of suicidal could, suicidal ideation. Well, that someone could hide that. Yeah, you know, and just be a fabric of their thoughts all the time. Did you think? Do you think it was like a clinical depression, or do absolutely you, and mm. stress? You know, like sure, sure. Because like I listened to a lot of the records, loneliness, again. yeah, fear, sure, all this stuff. Well, I mean, there, the some the like the first few records are so, you know, uh, kind of vulnerable and raw, and you know, even without. Even if I don't listen to the words, just the tone of your voice and the tenor of the music. And I wasn't like, singing. I was just like, yeah. Um, I was just like, you know, um, I did this anyway. In 2012, I yeah. did this thing where I had this, you know, autoimmune thing pop up. What was that? It's like it's called HAE angioedema, yes. and uh, like basically my esophagus, like different parts, like my eyeball, this the. The membrane of my eyeball would swell, swell up, Whoa. but my whole esophagus would swell up and can't breathe. Oh. In like 45 minutes or hour and a half, I can asphyxiate. Oh, my God. So, <clears throat> Is there medicine for it? There is. It's yeah. a herb. It's called apis, A-P-I-S. Okay. It's what you take normally for bee stings, okay. but it's brought on by extreme, extreme stress. But I had a friend that in L.A., she's from Argentina, but she goes to church and she goes to non-denominational church uh-huh. said there was a lady a minister at her church who was like you know is there someone in the audience who knows somebody who's a singer she's got yeah. short blonde hair I had uh-huh. short blonde hair at the time she needs help right now and if anybody knows her I need to talk to you <laughs> Yeah. and so my friend went and talked to her and she said I need to talk to her on the phone today as soon as possible and so 
my friend from Peru, my best friend, she said, hey, can I bring her over? Yeah. And I can't even talk because the tubes, you know, when you yeah. go into the intensive care. Anyway, so I can't even talk. I'm super delirious. And so I'm, she hands me the phone and she says, hey, honey. And she's Southern. Yeah. She says, hey, can you talk about, you know, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, sure. She said, do you believe in God? And I was like, uh, I believe Jesus was real, you know, a real yeah. hu- human, you uh-huh. know. And she goes, okay, perfect. She said, do you mind if I pray with you? And I said, sure. I can't really even talk. My throat hurts so bad. Yeah. And um, and she starts praying, you know. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And I hear, like, I think it's my friend's phone. It's like a flip phone. Yeah. And I think the signal must be bad because it goes. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And I wanted to say something like, oh, bad connect. But yeah. she keeps praying, so yeah. I didn't say anything. And then, like, listening, and then she prays a little louder. And then the phone, again. And I was like, okay. And then, and then all of a sudden, I had to cough really bad. I yeah. Cough, and she's praying. She's praying a little more, like little, like it's just her. Case. She's yeah. almost like singing. She's praying comfortably long, and uh, and so I really had to cough. And I was like, as soon as I was about to cough, <clears throat> in the phone, cough, yeah. The cough. There was a voice on the phone went, <clears throat> yeah. And I was like, I wouldn't say that. I want to say that wasn't me, but I didn't. But she started praying a little faster. Uh, yeah. And then, then the phone went, and then, <coughs> and then I heard a few more coughs. Yeah. With different people, different right. voices. Right. And then she really started praying. Yeah. And then I kind of was like, is this real? What's, what's happening? You know? And then I like didn't have to cough. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to spit. I opened the window. And she's really like, and the baby cries. And it's just like in the, uh, yeah. I start spitting. And yeah. my friends are looking at me and I'm like, yeah, spitting out the window. Yeah, and uh, she's praying so fast, and there's like about I'd say forty different human beings that are coughing. Yeah, in the phone. Uh huh. <clears throat> and then she wound up. We both said amen at the same time, and she's like, "How do you feel, darling?" And I was like, "Um, I feel fine, and my throat didn't hurt." And she's like, "Okay, well, you know, you come and see me at the." And I was like, yeah. "Okay," and she hung up. So I handed her the phone, and I could talk, and my throat didn't hurt. And I haven't had nightmares. I had nightmares my whole entire. Really? Oh yeah. All the people coming in my room, different stuff, like awfulness. And I hadn't since my son is. That was before my son was born, yeah. 2012. Yeah. I started having nightmares about eight months after he was born, 2015. And I, oh, that's when they started again. Yeah, but again. different. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, more like, like not not like that. Not not sure. not not so scary now, more, what, more like just like presence have you have you ever been treated you mean psychologically yeah yes i have i've been treated for um i've been treated by three different um really quickly yeah like i need help like yeah you know having yeah. a nervous breakdown right like, from stress yeah and fear and yeah. depression and i don't know who to talk to you know so yeah I've gone to di- a few different people doctors uh-huh. for help and each one said oh you're bipolar you're bipolar you're bipolar oh, yeah. you need this medication right the other one said you need this medication yeah. the other one said you need this medication right and so when i made the very uh apparent decision that i needed to you know not do um drugs and alcohol um that was in 2006 yeah and i went to a therapist that I was actually able to communicate with uh-huh. and talk to about things and about, um, you know, like day-to-day stuff, touching on some past things and yeah. people who were in my life at this time. Yeah. 
and getting me to acknowledge certain behaviors and reactions. Mm. And after doing that for a long time, uh, he told me, 2008, right before yeah. I moved to LA, he, he had put me on an antidepressant, mild antidepressant, yeah. you know, a low dose or whatever. Yeah. And he said, I really need to pull you off of that because you're not even a dep- depressive personality type. You, you're suffering from just PTSD. Yeah. You yeah. need cognitive behavioral therapy. You don't need, you know, you're not even a depressive personality type. So ah. it was just, it was just stress that I couldn't handle. And then was 2000- that a relief? Oh man, I was yes, totally. And Absolutely. you were able to. Track- I was the happiest I ever was in my life. I and think when you were out here. And then I moved. It was right before I moved out here. Mm. And you were able to track it, like the like the source of the trauma and you know the the reactions. Yeah, I'd been like. You know, I never talked about anything in my like life. And yeah, I, I said like one little thing when I was twenty-one. Right. You know, I never. You know, and it took like, in terms years of to say something when I was like about maybe twenty-nine about your life. Yeah. The oh the the the. I don't usually talk about it. The source of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay. Uh huh. Everybody has their thing. Yeah. You know. But but you were able to talk about it with that guy. Yes, and he was good at like. Being able to like you know like show me that how I was feeling was you know how I was feeling then, mm. and then I was carrying that feeling. You were reacting to it your whole life. Yes, I get it. As if it was happening now. Yes, again is, and again and right. again. So you're constantly in that state. Well, certain things would trigger that state. You know. Yeah. Panic, fear, um, you know, self doubt, and like. But mostly based on like fear. It's all fear driven, you know. Sure. I was able to sort of like panic. Well, I was able to. Yeah, it was always fear based. Uh huh. It was always just that feeling of fear, and I was able to like objectify the feeling of panic and narrow it down to that it's just I feel afraid, and I have to think about now why do I feel afraid right now? Mm. And you figure and I'd it have out. to look you at can, the points so of like. I'm totally safe. Right. I'm in a safe environment. Right. I've put myself around a safe person and all that kind of stuff. So that was the cognitive work. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the being able to object, to be able to understand how I'm feeling right. and define it and to look at it. So would you say like then, <sighs> yeah, the bulk of those like the- And or, breathing. Yes. Yes. So when you, when you look at the first like three or four records, are you like, that's me just, yeah. you know, barely keeping it together? And mm-hmm. trying to reckon with all these things that I haven't defined yet. Right. Give it voice. I think the options when when you're struggling, no yeah. matter how old you are, whether or not you're in tune with yourself yeah. or not, we always like try to find an option. Right. You know, out of the pain or the yes. fear, whether we know ourselves or not, right. whether we're young or old, we always attempt to flee, uh-huh. you know. Through something. Or fight it, you yeah. know. So I think that is what it was, was being able to, to 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 sit with it and sing and play was a way to like guide guide like this sort of inner hostility, you know, out of myself. Like an exorcism. Sort of I don't know if that word needs to be used. But, no. But uh, you all right, know, so like, a processing. Like if uh, I were like, because I used to love to like, you know, I love to sew. I love to like, you know, you know, knit and uh-huh. needlepoint and yeah. paint yeah. and write and um, 
you know, basketball and tennis. And I love to do things, you know, food and cooking. Like, yeah. I love to do things. And as an active mind, you know, you all those things are like tools. They're creative parts of us. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I, yeah. Yeah. They you know. Well, they. Well, if you enjoy them, they ground you in something real. Yeah, exactly. Real. Yes. And that guitar and those songs were something real. Yeah. And then I could move on to like the other real stuff. Right. You yeah. know? So it was your- uh, Reading. Your, was your you doorway know? into real, into the present. Yeah, just exactly. Oh, ah, right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Correct. I didn't know how they were going to sound, uh-huh. you know? And were you surprised that, you know, that the world took to you or that the world that I was only surprised when I was um, met. I was surprised. Yes, I was consistently always, always surprised. But there were advantages like that night I played that solo show because I was watching uh, The Simpsons. I had two TVs, yeah. one color, one black and white. Yeah. And I picked just up because. The, yeah, because I could watch Channel 13 on the black and white all the time because I always had something. Yeah. And if I, always the news was on the, the color one. Yeah. And if I ever wanted to watch one or the other, I could turn the mute on one and, you know, just. Yeah. You just like having company? <laughs> well, I mean, there was some great shit. Like I learned about Malcolm X from sure. the P- PBS yeah. Channel 13 New York TV. You oh, know? so the black and white one was the local. Yeah, that was Channel 13. And the color was like Simpsons. The cable. (laughs) No, there was no cable. Okay. It was on regular television. Okay, so the first that you performed that night and you watched. Well, no, so I got home from work and and I had my tie on. I worked at this place called the, uh, whatever, um, Carnegie Hill Hill Cafe at 92nd. Madison Avenue between 92nd and 93rd, uh-huh. and um, I still have dreams about like showing up to work and being like, can I work? And like then being like, no, because that's how I got my job there. I'd show up. like, yeah. I'd just show up. Yeah. So, so by the end of it, like the eighth time, so, the chef came out and she's yeah. like, are you the one that keeps coming up here and asking for a fucking job you're hired? Yeah. You just chose that place? Well, because my NYU roommates out of yeah. that hotel, that hotel, that apartment on 4th Street, oh. my friend Lily moved away. Yeah. And she left. Um, the one who came from- The hospice from AIDS work was Georgia, getting, right. S- from Tennessee originally, but yeah. it was like given her, she was breaking she was, down, she couldn't handle the mental stress. Of being of the- the hospice uh, person. Mm. All these friends passing away, but- mm. um, Okay. So so, blah, blah, blah. The, so I got off work, got to the, the six train, walked to my apartment, shut the door, had the village voice, turned on my TVs. It's Sunday. It's eight o'clock. Something's yeah. coming on. Took off my fake clip on baby blue satin tie. Yeah. And um, no, it wasn't a clip on. It was a real tie. Okay. And um, sorry, but I've had clip ons anyway. And it was a commercial break. Uh-huh. And. Simpsons commercial break and I opened the Village Voice I was like pretending that I wasn't looking but I knew I was looking for the CBGB's gallery it was a CBGB's yeah. gallery and it said 8.30 Cat Power Solo and I was like ha 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 and I shut yeah. the magazine I felt con- you know it was not- that night? yeah on Sunday I was like I'm I'm not going <laughs> and then I thought of like my friend who I'd become friends yeah. with Gerard Cosloy yeah he'll be there yeah Jeff Cash Van this this art noise yeah. friend and then Harry Drew's bartender okay. from Max Fish and I thought oh fuck they're gonna pay three dollars fuck yeah. so I grabbed my guitar didn't have a case and my amp and I just you know walked two blocks whatever yeah. it was yeah. and went and played my songs 
saw, I worked at the Xerox tour called Todd's Copy and Jim Jarmusch's assistant, her name is Birgit. Yeah. And so I was kind of nervous. I saw Henry, I mean, uh, sorry, Harry Drews. Yeah. He was there. So I was right about that. Jeff was there. Anyway, and I just waited for her on the steps and I watched this woman, Birgit, and because she was assistant for yeah. Jim and she was playing a accordion. Yeah. And she was kind of like Nina Hagen, you know. Yeah. But it was kind, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, like yeah. it was like, oh, I, I, I can play here. Yeah. Like it was kind of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I can, you know, do my little. Oh, if she can do that. I can do that. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. You knew it was a free zone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very safe, and um, and uh, and so I got back, and there was a. An How'd the gig go? Did you feel about it? You know. I just uh, there is a video uh, of that though. Yeah. She videotaped it yeah but i got home pressed there was a blinking message and it was gerard and he said hey sean uh, it's gerard uh sorry mr show uh tonight um do you want to open up and on the cover of that you know village voice yeah. it was this girl named liz fair i don't know who that yeah. is i didn't know who that was and she had her legs spread you know she was standing on two twin beds yeah you know jumping up or sure. whatever with the guitar I didn't know who that was, but he said, do you want to open up for Liz Fair on Thursday night? You'll get $200, and you won't be billed, and you only play 20 minutes. And I was like, be, be. Yeah. Hey, um, yeah, great. Uh, can they pay me cash? Yeah. And he's like, don't worry, because I didn't have a checking account. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about that. And that's where I met at Soundcheck. Um, I mean, not billed, 20 minutes. 200 bucks yeah. and I bust on my ass to maybe get 70 bucks a day working three jobs yeah. assistant Xerox yeah. cafe so I show up and uh, I go to the sound check and I didn't know about dressing rooms or yeah. nothing you know and uh, so I'm at Princeton Amp anyway and I go and I do my sound and the silver tone yeah yeah and um, so do the sound check you know I've never done a sound check before yeah. do the sound check yeah Blah 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 oh, yeah. blah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, I see all these people lined up on the side of the stage. There's no one there. It's at Town Hall in New yeah. York City. I just played there. Yeah. I look over and I see all these people. There's all yeah. these people. All these people. Um, because I, I I had known I knew that Kurt Cobain had just, you know, supposedly committed suicide. Right. You know. Um, yeah. And so he was supposed to play that night. With the raincoats, he was supposed to fly in and yeah. play this show, Nirvana, mm-hmm. with the raincoats. The day after Kurt Cobain died. Yeah. Okay. And so the raincoat—I don't didn't know who that was. Yeah. So there was w- these women, and then this other woman, and these men—they're all lined up against the wall because they're—I guess they're sound checking next. And so it was the raincoats, but I didn't realize that yeah. at the time. And it was Suzanne Sasek, who's like the. You know, the lighting director for uh, Sonic Youth for years uh-huh. and different whatever. And it was Steve Shelley and Tim Folion who've been like best friends since they lived in, you know, Ann Arbor or whatever. Uh-huh. So I'm done with my sound check and I go behind the curtain. I put my amp down, move the curtain. And so Tim yeah. and Steve come over and um, they're like, hey, what's the name of your band? How long have you been playing? Where are you from? Whatever. And I'm just like, I can't even look up. Yeah. I can't look in their eyes, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. And I'm just really uncomfortable. And then uh, he says, uh, Tim says, hey, we're going to yeah. go get Mexican. You want? Yeah. So I go, yeah, I'm starving. Like, yeah. I love Mexican food. Yeah. 
<laughs> and they get he's like you get a buyout I don't know what a buyout is a slap's like ten dollars wow 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 yeah, yeah. free money so I go in the corner and this guy walks up to Steve and he says hey man and Tim's like oh yeah he, Steve used to play in the crucifix with this guy and I was like oh crucifix and then I hear the guy go oh yeah so Kim and Thurston they, they coming down tonight and it was just like I could hear the psycho music. Yeah. Like, what have I done? What am I doing? Yeah. And so I just I went and sat there and ordered my food, and I couldn't eat, and I just got up and left. I just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. Sonic Youth, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> the gods, right? And um, <laughs> yeah. So I went to the um, went to play my show. And I was done playing my show, and then I leave. At Town Hall? Yeah, and I had one friend, Terry Gillis, from yeah. TG170 on Lolo, because um, Lily was gone, and my other friend was gone. So I play my show to Lou, yeah. 20 minutes, come outside, and he's yelling at me, Miss Powers, you want to go back on? You want to go back on? And I was like, <laughs> like looking at him like, why would I ever want to go back on and he holds the curtain and everyone's standing up and they're going insane and they're screaming and they're banging on the things and they're going crazy and I was like in shock like this isn't real this isn't reality and I said no I want to find my friend so I opened the curtain to find my one friend and all these people these little young kids you know these my peer group yeah you know these college kids are like yeah can I get an interview with you? They hold like a little press machine, yeah, tape yeah. recorder, a pen, you know, and they're like, can I get an interview? Can I take a photo? Can I get your autograph? Can I do this? My professor loves your CD. And I was like, I'm not Liz Fair. And they all turned around and were like, dude, and they left. And then I laughed so hard. <laughs> and then Terry came and I saw Gerard and I was like, you got the money? He's like, sorry, I don't have cash. and I'm sorry. I made a mistake so you didn't go yeah. back for the encore no i and, left and did max fish probably i don't know and then you got the deal with the records well, then tim was like you know do you want to play do you want to steve would really yeah. like to play and then he'd really like to record and it took me about i'd say i don't know how maybe th- two months three months to feel comfortable about you know going out to hoboken and like you know playing with Steve Shelley and playing with you know Tim and I used to hang out a lot we'd do karaoke and hang out with Terry and uh-huh. it was, you know but you know I was just so scared of the gods you know yeah you know the the and uh the so, judge well just no it wasn't that it was just like you know you know when you're like super poor you grew up super poor yeah. you don't feel and not very educated not not academically yeah. anyway you don't you don't feel like part of anything really you don't right. you know you, there's no there's no cl- you know there's no uh, it's a different world and you feel like you just need to be a person with a job yeah for sure right yeah well i went to 13 schools in 10 years i was yeah. constantly moving around as were you as able to so get... I, I never really had like a right you know, what do you call it a click right were you able to get grounded though in new york um, grounded. I mean, did you find every a time click? I was leaving? Yeah. Um, no, I made relationships, friendships with it was uh, to this day. It's always one on one. It's yeah. never, you know. Yeah, yeah. A group. Know, it's never. So that was the that was the beginning of it, and then it just went. And then it just went because I was listening to the records, you know, and it, it like it, it's interesting to kind of listen to them in a row. But what's weird is that like 
So you churn out those like those first four records, and then you do the first covers record. It was almost yeah. like, like you know, you needed <laughs> to clean your, cleanse your palate or something. Well, I had started playing solo with uh, my friend from waiting from waiting for UFOs in Atlanta. He was yeah. in a band called Smoke. He had booked me at this thing to play with um, Carl Dreyer, Passion of Joan oh, of Arc. Joan of Arc, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, it got canceled, so I wasn't able to do it. You were going to play along with the movie. Mm-hmm. And so then movie. I was like, well, I want to, well, then I want to do that. So then I started like, I booked a tour in America and then I was headed to Australia. And, and so it? I started playing with that, with that movie, movie. Yeah. and just playing and playing. But I started, then I started. Did you vocalize during it too? Yeah. Oh, and then wow. I started, then I suddenly had an album of covers that yeah. I was playing this thing. So I ran to Matador and I was like, hey, I really, sorry. And this is the way it is with every, I've only done three now. Yeah. But I always like ask if I could do it. Sorry to interrupt. The covers? The, sorry to, you know, ask yeah. for a, a different thing that you were not expecting. Right. But can we do this? Because uh, I was afraid that like it would just disappear. It would go away if it didn't get recorded. It didn't become an artifact or something like this. What, the covers record? Or you yeah, just wanted to keep songs. working? We'll keep working, but it like... If I, you know, I need because I, I signed a contract, so sure. I had another record I had to do. Right. So can I do this record? Yeah. You know. Was that easier than doing original shit? It's not easier. It's just it's just original shit is also easier because it's what there are different parts in no my one's life. No, judge it against anything Mm-mm. either. It's not what I'm thinking. Uh, it's just there are different parts in my life. Right. When I just am doing some covers. Right. Sure. So there are different points. And in you're my doing life. oh you're doing those live too. Like when you do the yes. covers? What do you mean? Well, I mean, like, that's part of your show? Like when you, you tour? Mean? I mean, like, at the time you did that first covers record, were you doing several covers in your that live shows? That was what I was playing when I was watching uh, that movie. Oh, okay. Because I didn't know what the hell to play. Right. And I was depressed by the other uh, stuff, so I was, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I mean? you're like, let's get it down. Let, no, let's just, let me play yeah. some stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, and I don't know chords, so I don't know how to do, like, you know... Stairway to Heaven or, you know. Sure. How do you pick your bands? Well, usually I like to, I mean, I like to, you know, respect them as a as a musician uh-huh. and as a human being. That's mm-hmm. pretty much, that's, that's it. Because it seems like when, like, You Are Free and The Greatest mm-hmm. seemed like the most, like, in terms, like, you can feel, I don't want to call it growth because it's different, but it seemed like you had sort of an I, op- open heart or, or uh, there was something... I was getting pressured to do the next record, and I was on tour in yeah. England, and we were at a dim sum place. Yeah. And um, the company the, the company said, you... He had a laptop. Yeah. And he said, we need you to tell me what your dream scenario is for your next record, because I was just going to just tour forever. This is before which record? The Greatest. Okay. And so, I just off the top of my head, I was like, because I was thinking, oh, Otis Redding's band. Yeah. So, I was like, uh, Al Green's band. And he wrote it in the computer, and then yeah. he said, where? And I said, uh, Memphis. And he said, um, who's producer? And I, I said, no producer. I'm the producer. Uh-huh. And I said, Stuart Sykes, because he'd been working with the White Stripes, and I met him a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, when I did uh, what the community think, he was the assistant engineer. I said, Stuart Sykes is an engineer. He said, perfect, done. And so... Later that, you know, before we were done with our food, it had all been organized for me. But and that's was, how the crew came together for the greatest? Mm-hmm. And I was living in a bottle then, because that was like right before the sobriety yeah. happened. So I was just like, I was just like, you know, I was really yeah. 
you know, when the record came out, I was I was in treatment to not have the alcohol. Oh, really? Yeah. You went in? Uh, yeah. For 28 mm-hmm. days? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> no, not that long. <laughs> I've been in. I did the full ride with the bad food. Got mm-hmm. pudgy. I didn't eat. Didn't, didn't sleep. Uh. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Did you have to? Did you have real DTs? What's that mean? I mean, did you shake and sweat and vomit? Mm, no, oh, that's Mm-mm. good. Because that record is like so. Um, it's it's a great fucking record. And when I listened to it yesterday, I was like, oh, I've listened. I used to listen to this a lot. Mine was more like. Mine was more like being becoming like. M- mine was like removing the substance so that I could think. Yeah, you know, and but but at first it's it was like, more like cogn- cognitive. But it must have been kind of crazy thoughts for definitely, like, absolutely you know, coming yeah. to coming out. Yeah, of the, waking the hell up. Yeah, coming out of the tunnel and like knocking on the. Hi, I'm here. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I like was refusing to talk to anyone. Yeah. for six days, but I see what's happening. Do you like that record? You know, I do, of course, because the, the songs are so sad, and like Teeny basically brought soul, happiness, joy uh-huh. yeah. to, right. to all those songs. Maybe that's the thing that there was mm-hmm. a balance. Yeah, absolutely. A counterbalance. Was that the first time you felt that happen? Ever. Absolutely. Because that's what it is, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's the He shift. brought joy and light and love and soul to it. Against the, you know, mm-hmm. right. That's what makes it so unique, huh? Mm-hmm. Holy that's shit. That's how he plays, you know, that's soul music. Yeah. Thank God for that kid. I know. <laughs> I know. He just had a birthday. Yeah, so I'd moved out here in 2008 and um, got into like an unstable relationship that I didn't realize was toxic because, yeah. you know, when you, I've never really had like a successful relationship. And you're you know? newly sober at that time? No, I'd been sober about a year. That's still pretty raw. Mm, yeah, no? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. For me, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so. I, I had started after, like, I'd say a year and a half, I yeah. started having a little wine, you know. Oh. But, yeah, because, okay. like, <laughs> yeah, I was... So not sober. <laughs> no, no, no. I was only sober, like, hardcore sober for about a year and a okay. half. Okay, yeah. But, um, like, I was able to... It was a lot to do. Things yeah. in childhood with the being around addiction and stuff. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like uh-huh. I had already, I had already been in tune to uh-huh. making promises to myself as a little kid. Uh, yeah, things not to not, do. Right, sure. Yeah, and so you're not going to be that after being where I was in 2000. You know, when I got out of that. Yeah, there's no way you can get me back to that state of mind or frame of mind. Or, yeah, you know, but um. So you get into this toxic relationship, and um. Yeah, I just held on and, like, you know, tried to, like, you know, I think a lot of people do this. I know a lot of women do this. Where they, I know men do it, too, but what? they try to kind of, like, you know, make the other one more comfortable than yourself uh-huh. because maybe the other one is, is, not, a, is not self-aware. Uh-huh. So they're kind of, like, malcontentish at times and, like, they aren't, like, they don't, like... You know, yeah. So I think like take, co- you know, acknowledgement for like abusive things they do and stuff. You know, so you growing up in sort of hostile environment, I tend to like recoil and I don't, I don't like, yeah. I don't yell. I don't. I just like, oh, get me the yeah. hell out of here. You know, you know, I shut Go down. In. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of like created 
these strange boundaries were set, and I stupidly kept believing that they would get better, but more boundaries kept coming, and it was really difficult psychologically for me to. It felt like a game, like a really intense yeah structure uh-huh. of how someone's used to dealing with women. Yeah, and I I needed to go through that to learn. Um, yeah. How could I? I had to learn, like, how could I let myself get in that situation? I had to go through that to to see, wow, I really, I really fucked myself by letting somebody take that much control over my life and over my person, over me, my friends, contacting my friends, yeah. being me. I let yeah. someone, you know, slowly like take control. Yeah. over my me and my life so the sun record was basically like me like trying to like you know get out get out it could just make sense in my head of like reemerge i i know i, I know i'm i know i'm competent i know i'm intelligent yeah i know i'm kind yeah. i know i'm graceful i know i'm empathetic i know i'm friendly you know i know i'm funny i know i'm clean safe yeah um, harmonious, yeah. uh, inter- interested in the yeah. people around, whatever. I know I'm all right. So I just, that record was just me trying to like focus on like my inner voice. Well, it's, it's weird <clears throat> when, you, when you grow up with that uh, emotional uh, unpredictability and, and violence, emotional violence or real violence. Like I, I have the same thing when somebody is abusive and I've been abusive, right? But when someone's abusive, like I, it's like paralysis. It's like a deer. Yeah. It's like you just take it, and yeah, you become like a, a seizure of. It's some like kind. A, the light switch goes off, and I, f- you know, I, of course, I don't, yeah. I, I don't put myself in the situations with people like that anymore, at all. Right, I can see them it's coming hard. a mile a minute. I can't too, but yeah. sometimes I. Yeah. Right, you might lend a helping hand because you <laughs> want. They, they get in, they'll worm in. If like, if you've got those, if you if you're a mark, an emotional mark for that stuff, people know it instinctively, and you've got to know when they're coming. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know, and they're like, "Oh no, it's inside me." God, <laughs> 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 oh, I got to get it out. Yeah, it's it is. It, it's a struggle. Yeah, it feels really mean to, to <sighs> push them away. Oh God, but yeah, I know, but you know. <laughs> But yeah. now I'm a mom, and like that's taught me. When did that happen? More than than I've I thought I would be able to learn about. You know, all of those things we're talking about. Well, are you able to? Has that thing? When you de- you decided to become a mom, you're like, I'm going to mm-hmm. do this. Well, when I found out, yeah. Oh, okay. So it was after you got pregnant. You're like, okay, let's do it. Um, now, has that relationship? How has that informed your whole trip? I feel like I'm constantly learning, like, you know, what's the best way to handle this? Yeah. You know, um, what's the best way to handle this with discipline while making sure that you have a light heart, you know? You know what I mean? The kid or you? Myself. Oh, yeah. When I'm, like, constituting, you know, uh, the boundaries. So don't freak out. How you do it with love? Love's the easy part. Oh. Yeah. The love's the easy part. The love is, like, the just... You know, he's a very tough dude. Yeah. But he's the, like, you know, teddy bear, sweet, you know, yeah. mushy love. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're up on love. It's all good. Yeah. How old is he? He's six. Yeah. That's... But like, he, you know, acts like he's, you know, like 26. Uh-huh. He says, you know, mom, 
you know, I'm a man, you know, I, I think I am a man. Well, Bo, you're, you know, you're six. Yeah. Well, you know, Mom, I'm going to be a man soon, you know. Look out. <laughs> I'm tall. I'm really, I'm the tallest person in my class. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're going to have a man on your hands. <laughs> big time. But it's great because, like, you know, yeah. the universe, they always say, like, the cliche, like, the universe sends you what you need, you uh-huh. know. Do you find that's true? I find the universe sends me a lot of garbage. Too. I know, but well, I <laughs> you just, can't look at it like that. But there's that other thing. It's like yeah. you know, yeah, garbage, 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 garbage. But then it's like the garbage isn't the lesson. It's 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 what what you take from the lesson. Like you can choose to be humble and grounded, and uh-huh. and and, and right. you can choose to turn that shit around, and no one will do that for you. Doesn't matter how late you keep them up at night talking about. Uh, whatever yeah no one's gonna turn around your bullshit or yeah. the bullshit that's happened to you or whatever except yourself or whatever right it's only so the hard shit it's not the lesson the lesson is what how, what you teach yourself to yeah. do better how do you do it is the action yeah that's the lesson sure how do you choose this these covers? Because like I noticed that about all your covers records is like I know four songs and I feel like am I not listening to anything? I've got like three thousand records. I don't know any of these fucking songs. Are you kidding? Well, I know I, what's on this one. Uh, well, uh, on tour I well, heard I know some of yeah. the old ones. Obviously, okay. I know a lot of them. The Velvet Underground. <laughs> I know the Bobby Darren record. Yeah, I know one so, Sea of Love. He, okay. I know. but what? But I know. I mean, I know those ones. But okay. there's some esoteric ones, not unlike many of the bands you're mentioning. I don't know them, but you know what's so. What's on this one? Okay, so the first day we went, there's some that we were playing on tour, like Bad yeah. Religion by Frank Ocean. We were playing on okay, tour. Okay, yeah. Uh, White Mustang during that year when I was. Dropped from my label, my ex-label. Uh, Lana asked me to go on tour in Europe, <clears throat> so I wanted to sing a song for her and her fans. So yeah. White Mustang is on okay. there. Um, I get, I'm gonna look at and, the, uh, the track So when list. we went to Rob Studio Mant, yeah. um, with my friends who I play with, yeah. who are on this record, it's the first time we've ever recorded together. Except Eric was on Jukebox. Yeah. So it's me, Adeline, Aliana, and Eric. And Eric. When I record, I like to like warm up at the station. I like the piano part mm-hmm. with the mics, yeah. you know, overhead and the guitar, a couple different amps, a couple different mics, uh-huh. drums, a couple different mics, overhead, yeah. you know, and a, the, the, the headphones. You got to get the headphones and the talkback mic, yeah. different stuff, and the vocal mic, a couple different mics. Yeah. Like it to all be humming and up and running. Yeah. And so. When it started to be up and running, so I asked Rob, can we go ahead and start tracking? So yeah. I said, we, let's go. Close the door. So the first four, so the first things we did on the first day were I started like talent composing was my my composing thing of yeah. like, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but hey, Eric, play this. Try this like a double time at 16 yeah. bars. Hey, Adeline, try this like, you know, just a couple, but like down and up, not mm. just down. How mm. about down, 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 and then down up, uh-huh. and then Aliana, can you try just the things, and then like it stomp, and then off, and you know that kind of composing, uh-huh. and then I jump in the vocal booth and be like, fuck, I have no idea what I'm gonna sing, and this is the first four recordings we did. The first one, the same method each time. Yeah. I jump out of the thing and they'd be like you know and be like okay you feel okay eric why don't you try this you know yeah. adeline why don't you try that Eliana, why don't you try this jump back in the thing i have no fucking idea what i'm gonna do so all of them each of them except you got the silver i was like hey let's just grab 
grab a guitar let's just say yeah you know and the, that was the didn't know what we we're gonna do and that was your silver but the first one was against the wind uh-huh. the second one was i had a dream joe never in my thousand years of life whatever would have i mean whatever against the wind the bob Seger song correct but i never thought i would ever do i have i i had a dream joe ever in a thousand years whose song is that nick cave bad seeds and then the third one was uh Endless Sea, uh, Iggy. Oh, Iggy, yeah. I saw and, your pillow. Yeah, and here comes a regular. That was, that's I thought one day I would definitely do that. So do you know that. Paul? I met him once, uh, yeah. It's he a good song. Cool. It's a good song. Isn't that a great song? Oh, that's like every alcoholic dream. I mean, that song is fucking. Nightmare. It's crazy, man. Yeah, so I do know those songs. <laughs> These days I know too, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, we were doing that on tour too. So they're all, so these all are worn grooves. I mean, you knew the songs. Not Against the Wind, not right. I Had a Dream, and not Endless Sea, and not You Got the Silver. Right. And I know there's something else. Some of my else favorite Stone there. songs, really. Same. Mm. I can't think of the other. I think there's something else I didn't know. But anyway. It's exciting. Yeah, I had to look at the, you know, lyrics, lyrics. on Google. <laughs> all first take. Yeah. And I'm, I had to edit the vocal when I'm saying, and it's good. You guys are going to break down in three, two, one. Yeah. Against the wind. <laughs> Running against the wind. Well, it's, it's nice talking to you. You too. You feel all right? We'll tighten I it up. I do feel good. <laughs> I don't think I said anything um, bad about anybody. Bad. Nope. No, I don't think so. Yeah, that's good. I tried hard. You tried to not say anything bad? I tried bad? hard not to. Right, I'm well, just kidding. I'm Very ex- respectfully so. I did not try hard. I'm excited about uh, the record. Thank you. I hope you like it. There you go. Sean Marshall, a.k.a. Cap Power. Huh? I'm happy we talked. The new album cover is out January 14th. Uh, North American tour dates for next year starting January 16th. Go check out capowermusic.com uh, for all those things. The dates. Maybe I do have to start recording musicians again. I, I don't know when that went away, you know, where we used to have them play. Maybe we can start doing that. I mean, I play. I'm going to play right now. Thank you. 
monkey and the fonda. Yeah, cat angels everywhere. <laughs> ¶¶ 